This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, Matt Straub here, welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Before we get started, if you could be so kind as to take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, that always helps us out. Now, it is Thanksgiving week, of course, and we have a wild slate of 13 games today. We are going to hit at least one storyline from every one of them. Mike Gallagher will be joining us in a little bit. Batting leadoff today is Tommy Beer. Tommy, the Hawks taking on the Raptors. John Collins back in action for Atlanta. He had 18 points, six assists, and a couple of trades in just 20 minutes on Monday. Probably a guy that some of us are eyeing in trades. Do you think now is a good time or bad time to trade for Collins? I think you can almost make an argument either way. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a fair point, Matt. I am personally of the belief that I am um, ready to jump on the John Collins bandwagon and, and uh, you know, get it rolling. I think if there is a buy low window, and there may not be, it's one of those situations where you, you it's, it's going to be a league specific kind of question, uh, depending on his owner. I assume a smart, shrewd, roto world listener um, would value John Collins appropriately. But just in case someone doesn't, um, I would definitely be willing to make an offer. Um, I think his value is only going to rise as we go forward uh, in spite of his two solid games I think um, that by low it is a relatively you know small by low window but I think it's going to slam shut once he starts playing 25 you know 30 minutes a night and it's kind of cleared from his minutes cap Um, I love his prospects the rest of the season in Atlanta as we've seen with Lloyd Pierce they are a very fast paced uh, playing at one of the fastest paces in the league this season up tempo offense uh, with the point guard um, that's willing to dish the ball as, as evidence by his 17 assist game recently. So I think Khan's going to be a focal point of their offense, that fast-paced offense. I think he has a very good chance to finish, uh, you know, to finish out the rest of the season, you know, a good four, four and a half, five months to go um, with top 50 overall value. So uh, that's definitely a guy I could target. And I think you can probably get him for like 75 overall value right now. So um, I would definitely poke around and, and see what the asking price is on Collins. Uh, I want to ask you, Tommy, one more question about the Hawks, about this center platoon in Atlanta. Dwayne Dedman and Alex Len basically splitting minutes exactly down the middle on Monday. That's been the case a good amount lately. Both were productive in that game, but that is not always going to be the case. So if I'm forcing you to pick one, who do you choose or is the answer neither one? Yeah, I'm not I'm not particularly high on either guy, to be honest. Um, but if I did have to choose one, I, I would definitely go Deadman. Um, a little bit more of a, of a you know higher rebound rate. And most importantly, in a, a little bit better in terms of block shots, he's going to supply more. Um, but in nine cat leagues, he's a far superior uh, free throw shooter. On the season, uh, he's shooting over 88% from the line, um, whereas Alex Lenz shooting right around 63%. So it's obviously a pretty significant difference. Um, they're very similar in, you know, in, in most other respects, scoring, field goal percentage, etc. But, uh, you know, if we're splitting hairs and they're splitting minutes, I'm going to go with uh, Deadman. <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. There's a certain 
amount of uh, craziness that occurs when Alex Len is in the game. That can be a good thing sometimes, but he, uh, for all the years he's been in the league, is still a bit all over the place. Deadman, the more polished player, in my opinion, and I think that's reflected in his game log. <laughs> uh, agreed. <laughs> and maybe along those same lines, as the Nets take on the Mavs, one guy we haven't talked about a lot, at least on this podcast, is Dennis Smith Jr. He is notably improved his field goal percentage this year up to 44 percent that's the good news the bad news is he's still outside the top 209 category rankings as we record this so dsj still just 20 years old so i'm not saying we're writing him off for good but for anyone in nine category leagues is it wise to write him off for this season yeah i'm, I'm steering clear of dsj um certainly some there's a reason to believe that he has some upside I'm not willing to buy into it, especially with Luka Doncic sharing the floor um, with Smith this year. You know, we've seen his assists go down. His rebounds have gone down. Um, As you mentioned, his his field goal percentage has bounced up a little bit, which is encouraging for his long-term prospects. But his usage rate has decreased, you know, sharing the floor um, with the the likely rookie of the year in Doncic. So, yeah, coming into the season, you know, we talked about his turnovers being an issue and, you know, his his three-pointers really haven't increased. And in addition to that, um, you know, again, his his assist and rebound numbers are down in addition to his scoring slightly. So for all those reasons that, you know, he wasn't a a solid, you know, nine-cat guy last year. um, And he's even less less appealing to me this year. So it'd be tough to cut him. I understand you, you probably invested a decent pick in him. I definitely would try to trade him and see if somebody's willing to give you something of value based on it you know he's a little bit of a name brand you know the, the dunks and the highlights etc flashy player one of those guys that's you know more exciting in real life than in fantasy so i definitely would try to trade him sooner rather than later for me i i tend to err on the side of exciting if if i have a choice but dsj is one of those cases where i think he's bringing your team down perhaps more than you might even realize in a lot of cases so for me actually i'm uh, going to talk to mike gallagher about Malcolm Brogdon a bit later on but that's one guy I would trade DSJ for in a heartbeat just because I think it's addition by subtraction agreed agreed I I totally agree with you if you can get somebody that's willing to give you anywhere near the top 150 overall something along those lines uh, you're right I, I think getting those you know those things that are weighing you down out of your lineup is beneficial Okay, the Pacers are taking on the Hornets, and I'm not sure you may have heard, but Kemba Walker has been on a bit of a scoring binge, Tommy. <laughs> I thought I uh, saw averaging, something like that. I thought, Yeah, I you might have caught your eye. Averaging uh, 51.5 points his last couple games. He is up to number five overall in nine category rankings as we sit here. So let's talk trade value. What would you trade to get Kemba? What would you try to get for him in a trade? And would you trade him at all if you have him on your roster? Yeah, I wouldn't trade for him now. I think any, uh, you know, (laughs) understandably, the guy who has him is not willing to to dump him uh, for anything, you know, that that you're certainly not a buy low window uh, anytime (laughs) soon. No, I wouldn't say so. (laughs) Um, But that being said, if I did own him, I'd certainly be willing to put him out there and deal him for, you know, if if someone was willing to give me a guy I had, you know, ranked in the top 10 coming into the season, um, that's currently ranked beneath him, you know, uh, the the Dame Lillards of the world, Carl Anthony Towns, Jokic's, um, you know, somebody along those lines. If somebody's willing to trade one of those guys for Walker, I'd do it in a minute. A little bit below that, it would be, you know, probably difficult. You know, the you know Chris Middleton and those guys, I, I'd probably stick with Kemba. But, you know, for that select few, that top tier, um, those guys that I really, really feel truly confident that are going to return first-round value for the rest of the season, uh, I'd prefer those guys over Kemba. And I'd be willing to see if uh, the, those guys would be open to a trade discussion. All right. We'll check in on those names. I agree with most of those. Those are all 
good targets. Re- realistic, there's a universe where you could probably get those guys. It, it may not be automatic, but there's definitely I'm sure I could picture that happening yep. certainly in some leagues out there. Um, Tommy, last week at this time we were talking about whether or not Jimmy Butler's arrival in Philly might put a dent, a small dent in the fantasy value of Ben Simmons. But I'm starting to think maybe it could be the other way around. Butler at just around 18 points, three and a half assists with the Sixers. His shot attempts are down early on with his new team. Obviously, we don't want to overreact four games. But is there room for him to be full-scale Jimmy Butler alongside Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid? Yeah, I think there's a little bit cause for concern there. I want to wait a couple weeks. I'm certainly not moving, you know, trading him or trading for him at this stage of the game. I want to see how it plays out, but I think there is cause for concern. Um, with Simmons being such a ball-dominant guard and, you know, almost constantly having the ball in his hands, I think that hurts Jimmy's assist numbers a little bit. I think the scoring will be fine. Uh, I think that'll fall in line with his career numbers. Um, he's shooting a solid percentage. It's just that his attempts are down. Um, I think he'll get plenty of good looks playing alongside Simmons and Embiid. So that's not really a concern. I think the rebounds are a little bit of an issue with the Embiid being such a, a vacuum on the on the glass. And again, with Simmons, you know, kind of handling the load, you know, facilitating the offense and, and dishing the ball out and racking up all those assists. I think there's a little bit cause for concern. Um, so would I knock him down a little bit if I were to re-rank my top 150 right now? Yes, but, you know, not outside the top 20, um, you know, maybe just down a scotch. But I, I still feel confident that he's going to be solid and consistent and, you know, he's going to give you steals and, you know, defensive extras and things along those lines so um, I'm not panicking but uh, I'm watching with a little bit of a leery eye right now and we can both agree uh, a flat-out bad time to trade him away at this exact moment yes agreed you you gotta wait because you have no he's got nowhere to go but up from here with his new team agreed all right Knicks and the Celtics facing off on Wednesday we've talked about Gordon Hayward a number of times here on the podcast already this season we haven't said the nicest things about him as a fantasy option but I have to say, I'm actually starting to get intrigued by Hayward as a buy low or a possible buy low. Up to 29 minutes a game this month. You look at his stat line, 9.5 points, 5.5 rebounds, 4 assists, 1.3 steals, 0.93s. Shooting badly, no question about it. But to me, that's the main issue. Can you see him breaking out if he starts shooting better, or have I just completely lost it? No, I'm actually on. I'm with you on this one. I think he's a real nice buy low target. You know, for instance... You know, we talked about uh, Dennis Smith Jr. I would trade Smith Jr. for Haywood right now easily. I think that's a very good trade, and I think it's a trade that could get done as well. Over the last, you know, this month, you know, you mentioned his numbers. He's right around a top 100 overall, and that's including a really poor sub 40% field goal percentage. Um, he's shooting above 90% from the line. So, you know, he's not a guy that forgot how to shoot, but when you take a year off from the game and you're playing at game speed, it's going to take some some time to kind of knock off the rust and, you know, get back to your old self. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing here with Haywood. And, the you know, the entire Celtics office kind of befuddlingly, surprisingly, um, has been very subpar this season, certainly not what we expected. Um, however, they are playing the Knicks on Wednesday, so that's the the recipe for any team struggling is to <laughs> is to play the civ like uh, you know the, the defensive juggernauts of Tim Hardaway Jr. and Emmanuel Mudiay in the backcourt. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think uh, Hayward's in a nice little position. Actually, um, I, I'm probably going to target him in DFS tonight, you know, because he, his price has dropped so much. So yeah, I, he's one of those guys. If he's on your wire, go scoop him up. I, I think he's a great ad right now. I assume he wasn't dropped in most leagues, um, but still could be had at a very reasonable price um so that's something i would poke around and ask about and and see what the asking price would be the lakers and the Cavs are facing off on wednesday night just looking at the landscape of the Cavs, taking a a wide angle big picture view here it occurred to me 
recently. Is Colin Sexton the only Cavs player you're even close to definitely starting right now? I mean, sure, in some leagues, you're going to use Larry Nance, Osman, Tristan Thompson, Clarkson, etc. But is Sexton really the only kind of surefire start right now? I'm not even that high on Sexton, to be honest. Uh, you know, he's surprisingly low assist rate. Um, steals aren't where we expected. You know, he was a ball hawk at Alabama. I think we kind of assumed that he'd be, a, you know, a two-steal-a-game guy um, when he was starting and playing 30-plus minutes. That hasn't been the case. Um, you know, scoring quite well. Actually, probably scoring a little bit better than, than I would have expected. Um, his field goal percentage is relatively respectable. But, you know, even in the last five games since he inherited the starting job, he's right around 125 overall. You know, Nance is, a, you know, a little bit below that 120. Thompson's around 110. I think I'd probably actually rather Thompson. You know, depending on my roster configuration, do I need rebounds? Do I need high field goal percentage? I actually need both of those categories in one particular deep 14-team league. So I'm starting Thompson this week. So yeah, you know, Sexton's not a guy that I'm that high on. Again, he's a guy I'd be happy to trade if I owned him. I think his name value is probably a little bit higher than his actual fantasy value. And the Cavs, as we know, are a mess right now. And he has a solid backup in George Hill. You know, obviously he's not part of their future plans. So, and J.R. Smith's away from the team now, so that could open up some minutes in the backcourt as well. But yeah, I'm not high on Sexton. I don't, I don't anticipate him kind of breaking out and, and taking it to the next level. So I'd steer clear of him as is right now. It's funny, you kind of beat me to the punch on my next question, because I was going to ask you if, if you, Sexton might be a little overrated, and I agree with you. I think he's, it's kind of a, a hard uh, mark to hit, but he's a sell-high partially because of name recognition yeah. <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's kind of like a poor, you know, like a kind of poor man's, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. is cut from the same cloth in, in a lot of respects, you know. Yeah, I mean, shooting better. And yes. At least he's not going to kill you in percentages. I don't think, I mean... Sexton's killing you in assists and steals, which are two categories you kind of need from point guards. Right, um, right. But at least he's delivering points, percentages, and threes. So it's not it's not a nightmare, but it's it maybe isn't as good as it looks on the surface. Agreed. And I'm not positive that those field goal percentages won't dip a little bit, you know, in, in the near future too. So that's kind of where I stand. Okay, so uh, test out the market there. Tommy, what do you have coming up for us this Thanksgiving week in terms of Written words on rotoworld.com. Sure, yeah. Uh, working on a column as we speak. Um, should be out late this afternoon. Going to talk a little bit about uh, DeMontis Sabonis, you know, and, uh, you know, check in on some other guys that, that have played well this season, you know, Paul George as well. Some guys that, um, you know, just kind of looking at the historical context and, and figuring out that these guys are, are playing well. Sabonis so in particular, um, I feel is one of the most, not only underrated fantasy players, but one of the most underrated players in the league right now. Um, and, um, you know, with Miles Turner, a question mark, um, he could definitely be a very highly owned DFS prospect uh, this evening. Something you may want to look into. Uh, I believe Sabonis's father played in the league. Uh, you a don't while ago. not not Just... not. He's not your Vetus. He's <laughs> he's our Vetus. Uh, all right, Tommy. Well, we got Mike Gallagher coming in here in a minute, so we're going to click over to line two in a second and get him on. But uh, thank you for joining us, man. It's always a pleasure to have you. Thank you, sir, and uh, happy Thanksgiving. All right, you too, man. Okay, if you can't get enough fantasy hoops action, consider heading on over to Draft.com. We are talking. Daily fantasy basketball snake drafts instead of salary caps. You can also do auction drafts there. And the great thing is this all takes just a few minutes to finish and you'll have a new daily fantasy squad to follow. Enter the promo code RW and you can play for free. Again, head over to draft.com. Use the promo code RW. All right, right now, as we head into the second half of our 13-game pre-Thanksgiving 
Wednesday night fantasy preview. We are joined now by Mike Gallagher. All right, Mike, on Monday, we saw Mikhail Bridges get a start with Devin Booker playing point guard. That's, in theory, good news for those of us who picked him up. But he got into early foul trouble. Things did not look good early if you used him in DFS or just started him in a daily league. Somehow he salvaged a late, a good game with a late binge. I think he had eight points, two trays, and a steal in like the last minute and change. So that's all good, but it was a little turbulent. What's your take on Bridges going forward? I love him, man, um, for a couple reasons. He plays really well next to Devin Booker. I think that's really why they had stuck with that idea. Um, if you look at their stats together, pretty much ever since they started, they have a plus 20.6 net rating together, 144 minutes together. So I feel like they're, they're into chemistry and how well they played, offensively especially, um, that he's going to fit fine. And we saw this really since the preseason. Bridges said the whole time, hey, I want to play multiple positions. And they kind of hinted this whole time that Booker was going to be the point guard. And... Given just the way this roster's put together with how terrible Cannon's been for the most part, and, I mean, Jackson's been a disaster. No one's really been playing well, uh, and obviously Trevor Reza had the personal issues while he's out, but, I mean, he's arguably their best wing besides Ariza, and, yeah, he could fill it up. He had a really deep three. He had a steal and a dunker in the first half, and that was pretty much it for the first half besides that late barrage you mentioned, but, yeah, man, um... He's going to shoot a lot of threes, and this offense is going to be pretty fast. So I feel like um, there's a lot to like for Bridges. It's kind of one of these cases where it almost makes too much sense, right? Like Booker looked pretty good running the point. Bridges is a high draft pick. It makes too much sense. Are you worried in any way that the Suns are going to find a way to bungle this for a while? Or do you think Bridges is good to go in the starting lineup? Oh, he's not going to be good to go because he's a rookie. So there's going to be ups and downs. But um, yeah, I mean, he has the upside. And again, the opportunity is there for him. So Plus, I mean, it's not like, I mean, Ariza's is older. They're going to probably dial him back. They're playing him ridiculous minutes, uh, almost out of necessity. Um, he's just routinely upper 30s in minutes. TJ Warren's hurt a lot, too. Uh, so, yeah, it should be should be good to go. Finally, Ryan Anderson. Getting Ryan Anderson out of the picture was really what we've been waiting for since the start of the season. And it feels like he's gone now, too. So, And even, I mean, Jamal Crawford's minutes are down. I mentioned Cannon's minutes are coming down. Jackson's been a disaster. So, I mean, there's really nothing in his way. But again, he's a rookie, so he's going to have... He's, a, you know, a, a three-year college player, though, so he should be... And he could play a lot of positions, too. So that's uh, definitely going to find ways to get him in, in the lineup. And the one area where I think he could really uh, make a difference, other than, of course, points, threes, and steals, is the potential for blocks. We've seen him get some lately. I think that's what you can potentially hang your hat on. On Bridges as a difference maker if you're thinking about picking him up. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, he's he's going to be long. He's going to be, again, uh, the Suns play fast. So uh, the steal, I don't know, quite buy the blocks. But, I mean, you know, point seven, I guess, is kind of doable, which is fine. But, you know, I think the steals are going to be really, really good. We saw six steals in the last two. Steals, like, he's kind of like Ariza, man. A lot of little threes, little steals. So, um Definitely a guy that has upside. All right, so go pick up Bridges if he's out there in your league. Another guy who should be out there on a ton of waiver wires I want to ask you about. With the Pistons taking on the Rockets, Reggie Bullock has gone off for 20-plus points in two of his last three. He did. He made some noise last season, hasn't really done it this year. Are you buying in on Bullock, and is he ready to produce? I'm not really. Uh, his defense has been a disaster, and it's going to probably feel like he's going to get pulled. So, um, again, he had those two great games. He couldn't hit the broadside of a barn for the first, you know, seven, eight, nine games, whatever it was. He was just missing open shots galore. But now they're starting to drop. So, Casey's going to feed Griffin more. I mean, there's not a lot of usage to go around. Drummond's usage is way up. Just There's just not many shot opportunities, and he's not going to rack up the steals. So, 
you're pretty much banking on him staying hot from three. If he gets cold, and like we've seen, you know, Danny Green, for instance, he'll get cold from three, but he'll do other stuff. Bullock, when he gets cold, you're going to want to cut him quick. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so um, I mean, I'm, I have him on a couple just because he is playing well right now, and I'm buying that he's going to be a, you know, maybe two and a half threes kind of a guy. But I'm just not really expecting much else just because, again, the overall usage is down. It's available um, with the way they kind of tweet. And even Langston Galloway is playing great right now. So we're talking about a short-term commitment here. Let's not get too emotionally attached to the Reggie Bullock if you pick him up. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon. I'm guessing you're not a big Brogdon guy, but I could be wrong. He, he's been a little up and down. He, you know, you could say he's boring. I don't know if that's too harsh. Only averaging about half a steal a game this year, which is a big issue for me. Are you a Brogdon guy? And do you think he can pick it up in steals and, and maybe a couple other areas to boost his value? Uh, yeah, not really. I mean, look at the month. I mean, even past month and a half, he's probably like, what, point three steals. Um, no defense, but he does shoot the ball well. He's hanging around uh, 49% from the field and then 96% from the line, but doesn't go to the line that much. But I'm buying the points, though. I feel like he's going to be, you know, six, maybe he's at 14 points per game right now, but I feel like he can be up there. He's going to be empty stats, like you said. So, I mean, it is what it is. You know, he'll be like a top, <laughs> he'll be like top 100. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he's he's been pretty solid minutes. Uh, although Pat Connaughton's been playing pretty well. So he's kind of been cutting into him a little bit. Uh, Ersan Ilyasova, against, he is kind of matchup dependent, too, because they really like Ersan. Uh, and then Pat Connaughton was the first player off the bench yesterday, which was kind of a, a surprise. Um, so Connaughton is something to watch here for like the deep league people. Um, but this offense has been really, really good. They're, I think, top five in both offensive and defensive net rating. So, um Again, so many threes in this new offense. So he's going to be uh, a lot of scoring. But, yeah, he's got to get some steals, man. That's killer. Yeah, it's killer. He's kind of one of these guys you mentioned, top 100 value. He's he's basically providing that in nine-category leagues by not killing you. You know what I mean? Like he shoots it okay and he doesn't turn it over. So that's kind of what has kept him afloat. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's not the most thrilling experience so far. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Nuggets taking on the Wolves. Towns has been surprisingly a turnover machine i know it's weighted a bit by that 10 turnover game but that is not his only high turnover outing lately are you concerned by this trend mike i'm not too concerned i mean like you said he's at 4.2 for the month i don't have the data in front of me but that's, i feel like it's got to be on pace for the most turnovers he's had in a, in a full month but he's fine he gets the ball so down low that i don't know I, i'm not worried about it man like he'll he'll be up just because his usage is gonna be higher but I don't really see a guy that is going to be, you know, you know he'll be, he's at uh, what three six on the year. He'll probably be two eight two nine. I feel like. Yeah. But, um, so no, that's not. I'm not worried about it. His last seven games. This is the the nerve wracking part. Six four ten five three four. You could look at that a couple different ways. Uh, you know, he's only had three and a half the last couple games, but that's still high for him. I don't know. It, it's not a huge deal, but. It's not something you were necessarily expecting if you drafted Towns. Right, yeah, especially, yeah, 9-cat, that's like one of the big reasons why you drafted him, because he's so much better there. Yeah, however, he is he is uh, crushing it most other areas, so that's good. Uh, Grizzlies against the Spurs. Derek White, after a few promising games in a row, he has a total of four points in his last three games. He hasn't topped 20 minutes in any of those. It was exciting for a minute, but is there any reason to hold on to White at this point? Any hope for us, Mike? I think so. Uh, it depends on who you're going to add or drop, of course, but I have him in a lot of leagues, and I'm going to hang on to him. Plantar fascia stuff takes a long time to get going. Obviously, if you want to drop him, 
it depends on how competitive your league are. Um, but I mean, if I'm dropping him, it would be for guys that I'm not really excited about. Like Bridges is gone. All these other guys that are, um, you know, that are reliable. Bullock's gone. Like so, I'm, I don't really play in shallow leagues, but. You know, if you feel like White's not going to get picked up, sure, drop him because it's going to take him a little bit of time to get going off this plantar fascia thing. But, I mean, Brent Forbes is kind of, he's going to cool off. Um, Rudy Gay, I feel like, is bound to go down in a hurry here. Um, with this, this heel thing won't go away. They're going to need guys to produce. DeMar DeRozan's not, can't do everything. Same with DeMarcus Aldridge, who's also injury prone. So, I feel like there's a lot of ways that Derek White could heat up, but... Yeah, like you said, he's been just a disaster. Getting moved to the bench was a really bad sign, too. But this doesn't look healthy. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you want to drop him, sure. But, I'm again, I'm not. So All right. Well, all depends on the size of your league from the sound of things. Yeah. So, shallow leagues, you can probably cut him loose. But in a deeper I mean, league, I would cut him for, like, Monte Morris or somebody like that who's been producing. Like, I, re- I rather like Monte Morris or even Juancho Hernan Gomez or somebody like that. Just depends on who's, who you're looking at to pick up. All right. Well, the... Kings and the Jazz will face off as well on Wednesday. One Joe Ingles has been slumping, only been in double digits four of his 10 games so far in November. I've got to guess you did not end up with Ingles in that many leagues, Mike. I could be wrong, but either way, are you concerned about any of this at all? No, uh, his last uh, dozen games, he's been open a lot. He's taken about four threes per game wide open. He's only made 29% of them. Uh, It's very uncharacteristic for a guy who's routinely in the mid-40s. Um, so he's just missing open shots. So that tends to tell you that he's going to get hot eventually. So, yeah, potentially a buy low target. Again, this guy is just lights out. One of the best shooters in the NBA. Doesn't jump a lot, but who cares? Who cares? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's fine, man. I'm not in the least bit worried. Because like, usage is going to probably be down a little bit because Mordani, Rubio has been better offensively. Rudy Gobert's usage is up a little bit. So uh, his upside. But, but you're not. you're never drafting Joe Ingles for upside. Like, you're drafting him because, hey, he'll be a top 50, top 75 kind of a player for you. And I still think that's the case. All right. So that is, that's a good call. I like the buy low call on Ingles. Single digits in three out of his last four. So you have a perfect opportunity right now to make an offer. Thunder and the Warriors, I believe, is the last game of the night. I will double check that. Yes. Thunder Warriors, the last game of the night. Jeremy Grant on Monday did not hit double digits in scoring. And that was a headline. That was the first time. That was the first time in November he failed to hit double digits. So overall, this month, averaging around 13 points, five boards with a three, a steal, and a block. To some extent, I love the consistency, but to be honest with you, Mike, I don't know whether to be excited or bored by this. How much do you like Grant going forward? Not really. I mean, uh, you look at his splits with Westbrook. His blocks with Westbrook's on the floor is like way down. I think it's like .6 per 36. Uh, And that's why you have him. You have him on your team because he's blocking shots, and he's not blocking shots right now. So, he's making his free throws right now. He's making shots overall. But, I mean, yeah, he's scoring 10 every night. But, I mean, it's not like he's, you know, he's, he's scoring 12.8 per game. So, it's not like the 8 points is that far off from where he was, you know. So, I I don't know. I'm fine with him. But, again, no turnovers. He's not really rebounding that much. But the reason why I like Grant coming in is the blocks, and they're not there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know, man, if it's uh, – there's nothing that's really going to be different. Um, I'm I'm more excited about Hamadou Diallo uh, <laughs> after his big game last night, man. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, maybe drop White for Diallo or something. That's probably a spicy take. But uh, if I we like did, Diallo, hey, Mike, if we didn't get one spicy take, you know, what are we here for? You know what I mean? Right. We needed yeah, at least one. Diallo, 22 minutes yesterday, 18 points, two steals, two threes. Defends really well. Handles the ball. Excellent cutter, man. Just uh. Got to keep an eye on him. Obviously, Terrence Ferguson's been out, but 
I, don't, I feel like Diallo could just usurp that role. He's going to be uh, for deep leagues out there. Got to watch. You have been ringing the Diallo bell uh, for a while now because I think you took him <laughs> in a 30 deep draft as well, didn't yep, you? Yep, yep. Yeah, I'm a big Diallo guy. To bring this full circle, Mike, Jeremy Grant or Mikhail Bridges? If Mikhail Bridges is still out there in your league. Easy Bridges. Easy Bridges. Yeah, that should be the title of this. That, that should be the title of this episode. <laughs> Easy bridges. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bridges right. of Maricopa County. <laughs> Phoenix is in Maricopa County, obviously, as I live here. So. Hey, Mike. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good. Thanks for doing this, man. Hey, everyone. If you're not reading it, Mike's matchup column comes out every Tuesday. I'm pretty sure it might be killing Mike. Mike, is this thing killing you or? or it's a <laughs> lot of work, man. I'm not gonna lie. Like I usually, I probably spend about six, seven hours in this thing. Yeah, but it's fun. I enjoy looking up all the stats and stuff. But yeah, it's tough. Like I have to wake up early to write this thing uh, in the morning. <laughs> so, but uh, it's all good. Like how it comes out, and you'll definitely, you'll definitely learn something. Like there's a lot of like obscure stats in there. So if you like that kind of stuff, you should like it. All right, so everyone, be checking that out every Tuesday. Round ball stew, as always, will be out Friday. And as you get ready for this 13 game NBA Wednesday pre Thanksgiving, stay tuned to the Road to World Player News page, Mike. Thank you for doing this. Hope you have a great holiday, and uh, we will talk to you soon. You too. Thanks, man. All right, man. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.